just I just do that to to get grandma's goat. Praise God. God is good. Hey, listen, I want you to listen up. Um, something real important. Uh, I've sent out scores and scores of emails to pastors in the area, and I haven't said a whole lot about it. Um, but next Sunday, Gatana is going to be with us. Uh, many of you know who Gatana is. Gatana Gatana is um, uh, uh, a fellow we met through divine appointment uh, back in 1997 in Dallas and um, has been just a really not more than a friend. He's like a part of our family, literally. And uh, Gatana was persecuted for his faith in Ethiopia and uh, escaped that country and uh, lives in Washington, D.C. right now, has been living there. Um, he came to Washington when he escaped um, or left Africa. But he works very closely with Voice of the Martyrs. He has his own ministry called Watch and Pray Ministries. And he's coming next weekend. Actually, November 13th and 14th is the official International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church. But, but Gatana's going to make a three-week swing through Texas, and he's going to come here. That was the date that we chose. He gave us first choice, and we decided we wanted to do November 6th. And on November 6th, which is a Saturday, it's next Saturday, we're going to have a, an area-wide prayer meeting at the high school. It'll be at the high school auditorium at 6 o'clock. So everybody say 6 o'clock, six o'clock. next Saturday night. And I really want to encourage you to come out. Uh, we're going to, there's 54 nations uh, on the earth that are presently persecuting, actively persecuting the church. Some are restricted nations. Some are nations that just are hostile. And, and I won't go into all the difference there, but just understand that right now, even as we speak, there are believers, brothers and sisters in Christ who are, being persecuted simply because of their faith in Christ. And many of them uh, are giving, literally giving their lives. Hebrews 13.3 says, Remember those who are in chains as if you are chained with them. And that's really what we're going to do next uh, Saturday. We're going to take a day and we're gonna, we've invited all the churches of the area to come together. This is actually sponsored by the Ministerial Alliance. We didn't want to put it under Cross Fellowship. We wanted to try to make it as... Um, non-sectarian as possible so that as many churches as possible would come. Uh, I don't know how many will come, but I'm encouraging this church, this church body, please, please come next Saturday. And we're going to pray for every one of those countries. And um, we're going to trust God and believe God for the gospel. We're not, we're not praying that persecution necessarily stop. We're praying that those Believers would continue to preach the gospel under persecution. They're not asking us necessarily to pray that persecution would stop. Their heart's cry is that the gospel will go forward. Amen? Amen. And if God chooses to stop persecution, then great. But, but with or without persecution, we want the gospel to go forward. And we want to stand in solidarity with our brothers and sisters who are bound who are being persecuted. So I can't encourage you strongly enough to come out next Saturday at six o'clock to the Taylor High School Auditorium and support um, 
the persecuted church worldwide. Amen? And then Gatana will be here on uh, Sunday morning as well. So I look forward to seeing you guys next Saturday. All right, let's open our Bibles. Um, everybody have a message, God? If you need one, raise your hand. Everybody got one. Good deal. All right, um, you can go to Matthew 18.3 right now. We're going to start there. I want to read Proverbs 22.6 to you. I'm going to talk to you today about the importance of childlikeness. Proverbs 22.6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. And the idea there is, I want you to think of a word picture. I want you to think of a picture, a tree in your mind. But I don't want you to picture a big, full-grown tree. I want you to picture a little, a little bitty sapling. Train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. The word picture the scripture presents there is not a big tree, but a little tree. And we train that little tree as it grows to grow tall and straight. If we wait until the tree is old and it's bent and crooked, we're not going to straighten the old tree up, right? Now, I'm not saying that this is a principle. I'm not saying that if you're 87 years old and you've been an atheist all your life, God can't save you. I'm not saying that. But the principle is for parents, it is for the body of Christ, for God's people in principle to train up their children in the way that they should go so that when they're old, they won't depart from it. The wind shall come, the rain shall come, but their roots will be strong and deep. And though they may bend under the pressure of the wind and of the storm, they're not going to break and they're going to spring back to that form in which they were trained to grow in. Amen? And so there's a principle here that I want us to get. Now, in Matthew 18, chapter 3... I mean, verse 3. Let's just begin in verse 1, Matthew 18, 1, and we'll read through verse 3. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who then is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child to him and set him in the midst of them and said, Assuredly, I say to you. You know, when Jesus says assuredly, he's not just adding words for no reason. That, that word means something. He says, I'm telling you the truth here. Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as, a, as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted... And become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. So we are to be trainable. Train up a child in the way he should go. Jesus said, assuredly, unless you become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom. We are to be trainable, church. And that means that we are to be teachable. Have you ever met someone that's unteachable? Maybe some of you, when you were in school, your teacher said, that kid is unteachable. Maybe there was a time in your life when you were unteachable. The scripture says we are to be 
teachable. Train up a child in the way that he should go. Jesus is talking to adults here in Matthew 18. He says, hey guys, hey you adults. And, and we know there were children in a setting just like this, except they weren't in a building sitting on nice padded chairs. But there was a gathering very similar to this of people of all ages. And Jesus is teaching them. And he calls a child from their midst. A little child. And this little child comes. And Jesus sets this little child in the midst of them. And he says, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you become as a little child, just like this little child, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. We're to be trainable. That means we're to be teachable. We're to be disciplined. Now, that word discipline carries a negative connotation, but it should not. Because, because our culture has become so skewed and so perverted in so many ways. It's perverted so many things. It's perverted what true discipline is. So when I say the word discipline, for many of you, you just automatically, something negative inside of you, just like, oh, I don't like that word. Now, that doesn't mean you're rebellious. It, doesn't, it just means that in our society, we, we've come to not like that word. I'll just tell you right now, in the church world, in what's called the church growth industry, and all the experts that will tell you how to grow a church and how to draw people, discipline is a word they tell you. Don't use that word. Don't use that word on Sunday morning. People don't like that word. Even they know people don't like that word. Why? Because our society has come to believe that's a negative word. Do you know that's not a negative word, church? We've got to get over that. Now, if I say the word disciple, that's not a negative word to you because we all know that we're commanded to be disciples. As a matter of fact, Jesus commanded us to go out and make disciples. So we're called to be disciples and we're called to make disciples. So on any given Sunday morning, if I said to the, those assembled in whatever church I might happen to be in, hey, how many of you know that you're called to be disciples? Well, just about everybody would raise their hand. And I'd say, you guys... If you think being a disciple of Christ is a good thing, raise your hand. Almost everybody would raise their hand. But if I said the word discipline, even having just said the word disciple, discipline carries with it something negative. You know why? Because we misunderstand what discipline is. We associate disciple of Christ. If I say disciple in that context, we think, ooh, I'm going to heaven one day. But if I say the word discipline... We think, ooh, I'm going to get a spanking. You see how wrong that is. Now, I'm not saying I spanked my kids when I was, you know, my kids were growing up. I'll just be honest with you. I spanked my kids. I spanked them. Why? Because the scripture says to spank them. It doesn't say to beat them. It doesn't say to abuse them. It says to discipline them. And sometimes that may involve spanking. Sometimes that may involve sitting down and having a conversation. But discipline is not just when somebody does something wrong or goes against something that discipline has to happen even when nothing is wrong. So if I take my kids out camping and we have a great week of camping floating down the river, do you know I'm disciplining my children? 
Kind of weird, but I am. I'm teaching my children how to live life, how to have fun, that, that they can live life and have fun and enjoy life, and they don't, they don't need drugs, they don't need alcohol, they don't need all of these things that the world seems to think that we need. See, if you think discipline is only about when something goes wrong, then you have misunderstood what discipline is. Discipline is, is simply, a disciple is a disciplined follower. It's someone who is being trained up in the way that they should go. If Parents, if the only interaction you ever have with your kids is when they do something wrong, there's a problem. And this is why we associate discipline in a negative way. This is why we, we call discipline a, a, a negative instead of a positive. Because most people associate discipline with, with things that have gone wrong. That's when I discipline my kids. No. That's not true. God disciplines us. True, he does correct us, but he also trains us in the way we're to go. In love. In everything in every aspect of our life. So we're to be trainable. We're to be teachable. We're to be disciplined. When we are children, we are most easily molded and shaped. This is why it says train a child up in the way that they're to go. Because children are most easily molded and shaped. And as we grow older, would you agree it becomes more difficult? It is. That's just a reality. Nothing is impossible for God. But some things are more easier for you when you start when your children are young than when you wait. Amen? You know, all of our kids, everybody grows up and they make choices. And any, given, any one of us can make bad choices. I mean, my gosh, look at the men of God who are the head of these mega ministries that have fallen. Now, we're not going to go back and say, well, it was his mama's fault. Uh Uh-uh, it was his fault. He slept with her or slept with him or whatever the case may be. He did that. It's his fault. He knew better. So don't hear what I'm not saying. Hear what I am saying. We're talking about the importance of childlikeness. Jesus said, hey, you guys need to become like children if you're going to have any hope of entering the kingdom of God. Why? He said, because your hearts are hard right now. Your necks are stiff. And you need to become like children. You need to become trainable, teachable, able to be disciplined by the Father. Or you're not going to, you're not going to enter the kingdom. How do we become teachable and disciplined? Jesus says in the very next verse, in verse 4, he says, Therefore... Now, let's read it in context. Assuredly, I say to you, unless you're converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, remember, we need to know what the therefore is there for. The therefore is therefore to tell us, therefore, humble yourself. Whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Look look what it says here. It says, Jesus called a little child to him. Now this, 
we kind of lose, there's some things lost in translation here. In the English, we have one word for children. It's children. So we have children that could be this big, and we've got children that can be that big, and then we've got children that can be that big. Well, in the Greek, there's like tons of words for children. And this word that Jesus uses here, he calls a child or become his little children. It's a word that, that can mean an infant, but it's, it's not necessarily. As a matter of fact, it's usually not used in that way. It more than likely was a little child who could walk. And, and more than likely what happened here is Jesus called this child and this little child came to Jesus and Jesus put that child in the midst of them and then Jesus used that child as an object lesson. And he says, therefore, humble yourselves, humble yourselves as this little child. In other words, come to me without reservation. Surrender to me without reservation. Yield to me without reservation. This is one of the things Jesus is telling them. Jesus was talking to a lot of people who were just standing there like this. Hmm. Who are you, Jesus? I don't know if you're the Messiah. I think you got a demon. I mean, there were people that believed that about Jesus. He's got a demon. He cast out demons because he's got a demon. Whose authority gives you the right to to say the things you're saying and to do the things you're doing? Tell me, by whose authority do you do these things? These were the people that Jesus spoke to and says, Therefore, humble yourself as this little child. This little child came to me without reservation. What's your reservation? What's your reservation? What is it that you're unwilling to yield to Jesus? Remember we asked four questions last week. What, what are you presenting? What are you making ready? Where are you abiding? And to who are you yielding? What's your reservation when it comes to Jesus? Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Becoming teachable, becoming disciplined, becoming trainable begins with humbling ourselves. Would you rather humble yourself or have God humble you? I would rather humble myself. And the scripture tells me to humble myself. Amen? So we are to be humble. That's your next blank, by the way. We're to be teachable. We're to be trainable. We are to be humble. Go to 1 Peter chapter 5. Or see it there in your message guide. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5. Look what Peter says. He says, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. You younger people, submit yourself to older people. In Jewish culture, a younger person was anyone under 40 years old. You had to be at least 30 before you had anything worth hearing. 
People, all these New Agers wonder, they call it the lost years of Jesus. I can save you lots of time, lots of money, and lots of uh, opportunity to be deceived. All those seminars, the Jesus Seminar and the, the Urantia book and all those things that supposedly give us the deep, dark mysteries. Jesus went to the Tibetan mountains and sat at the ascent, feet of the ascended masters and learned bull hockey. For 18 years, what did Jesus do for 18 years from the time he was 12 until he was 30? He was doing what every good Jewish boy did. He was biding his time. He did what every rabbi did. He was biding his time until, according to his culture, he hit 30 because he knew that prior to 30 years old, no one would listen to what he had to say. So Paul is saying, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. And then he says, yes, all of you be submissive to one another. Do you see the picture of the body there? I mean, look at the intergenerational body of Christ. I mean, I know. I mean, look, look around. Look at all the little children in here. You say, I don't have to. I can hear them. That's okay. <laughs> see, why does that make us feel uncomfortable? It shouldn't make us feel uncomfortable. That little baby right there should not make us feel uncomfortable. Look, she is just as precious as can be. Amen. She is just, she's loving life right now. She doesn't care a thing about what I'm saying. And that's okay. She's just a little child. But you know what? As she grows up in an environment like this, the very fact that she's growing up in this environment she will not be able to help but learn something. Amen. She's being taught right now, even though she, she doesn't have a clue what I'm saying. That's not the point of having the children in here so that they can understand everything I'm saying. On our, on our webpage, I just read this, Caleb just redid some things on the webpage, and... and Part of our philosophy of ministry is talking about this intergenerational concept. And, and there's a link that goes to an article on his blog. What's it called, Caleb? Huh? The Gospel and Forks. It's really a neat article. You should go read it. But the, the, the whole, the whole uh, context of the article is, parents, when you taught your children how to eat with a fork, how'd you do it? You taught them with a fork, right? I mean, we, we, didn't, we didn't get, we didn't dumb down forks. We didn't get on their level and throw food all over the kitchen so they could learn to eat with forks. We ate with forks. We taught them to eat with, was it messy? Yes, it was messy. But we got through the mess and guess what? They learned how to eat with forks. How do your children learn to talk? They live with you and they hear you talking to one another and you know what? They learn how to talk. How do children learn to be a part of the body of Christ? They live in the body with young and old. And they learn what it means to be in church. Whether that's children's church or big church. Do you know in the Bible there was no such thing as children's ministry, youth ministry, and adult ministry. They didn't have any of that. Now I'm not saying, I'm not making a judgment saying it's wrong. I'm just saying that's the reality. We need to destroy some paradigms that we've got in our mind 
because they're hindering us from being able to really effectively do what the Scripture commands us to do. So we're to be humble. You know, sometimes you adults need to sit at a table with a child and not get uptight about it and sit there and talk to them and show them. Do you know this is true? Studies have proven. You hear this statistic. I've shared this before, but I'm going to share it again. 96% of the children of the kids of this generation are, 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 have no faith in Christ. Only 4%. But what they found out is the 4% that do have faith in Christ, the 4% that, that are leaving home and keeping their faith, the one thing those 4% have in common is that they grew up in the church with intergenerational relationships. That means they weren't relegated to grow up in church with only people their age. They actually interacted with other people that were younger as well as older than them, and they learned how to establish relationships that were intergenerational. This is part of being a body. And there, there are adults who will have to humble themselves in order to facilitate that. Hey, there are kids and teenagers who will have to humble themselves in order to facilitate and make that a reality. So we are to be humble. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility for God. Listen, this is important. For God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. So you got people running around going, well, well when, am, when am I going to come to my, into my place, into my position? Humble yourself, and God will exalt you in his time. Yeah, but when are you going to exalt me? Well, I, it's not my place to exalt you. It's God's place. It's your place to humble yourself, and then it's God's place to exalt you in his time. You guys get that? It's your place and it's my place to humble ourselves. But it's God's place to exalt you in due season, in due time. Amen. So we are called to be humble. Why? Because without humility, there is a lack of willingness to submit to be a disciple and to be trained. Because when we're not humble, when there is a lack of humility, there is a hardness and we're not teachable. We're proud. Amen? And when we get into that, it's harmful to the body. It's harmful to the body. Without humility, there is a lack of grace. For God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Where there is a lack of humility, there is a lack of grace. So we're to resist pride. Listen. This is your next blank. We are to resist pride. Why? Because pride resists grace. Fundamentally, God is a God of grace. I know we want to make God schizophrenic, bipolar. You know, he's judgment in the Old Testament. He's grace in the New Testament. No, he is grace, old and new. He's grace all the time. It was the grace of God that covered the sins in the Old Testament. It's the grace of God that took them away in the New Testament. 
So we're to resist pride, for pride resists grace. Mark 10, 13 through 15. Mark 10, verses 13 through 15. Then they, look at this again. Then they brought little children to him that he might touch them. But the disciples rebuked those brought, who brought them. They brought children to Jesus, but the disciples rebuked those who brought the children. Why? Because the disciples were proud. You're going to quench the spirit if you bring those children in here. Don't you know the Holy Spirit's allergic to crying? You didn't know they were charismatic, did you? But when Jesus saw it, well, I like Jesus' reaction here. He was greatly displeased. Not with the children and those who brought them. He was greatly displeased with the disciples who thought, who presumed to keep the children away from them because somehow little children were going to disrupt the meeting. Listen, when we have our family reunions and you got kids running around everywhere going wild, you guys just tune them out and you just keep having your conversations and doing your thing. And then when one falls down and gets really hurt, then everybody's ears perk up because you know that cry. You know the difference between that cry that I'm mad at my brother versus I just fell off my bike and broke my leg. Every mother knows the difference between those two cries. And when she hears that I fell off my bike and broke my leg cry, all of a sudden she just tunes into that child. She forgets her conversation, everything. When Jesus was teaching here, there were children everywhere. And there were a lot more people than we got in this room right here. Kids running everywhere, people everywhere. Somebody got the bright idea, hey, this dude is... He, he heals people. He's got an anointing. Let's take our kids to them so he can touch them and bless them. The disciples said, uh-uh. You keep them away from Jesus. You may contaminate the anointing. No. Jesus was greatly displeased. And he said to them, let the little children come to me and do not forbid them for of such is the kingdom of God. And assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. So we're called to resist pride because pride resists grace. We're called to be humble. We're called to be trainable. We're called to be childlike, but not immature. There's a difference. Are you listening to me, church? You're called to be childlike, but you're not called to be immature. Don't confuse childlikeness with immaturity because they're two different things. We're absolutely called to be come like little children, but we are absolutely not called to be immature. Amen? So we're to receive the kingdom as little children. That means we don't receive it in pride or we don't receive it in self-righteousness and we don't receive it in immaturity. Because if I'm puffed up in pride or self-righteousness, that's a sign of my immaturity. If I go around all puffed up thinking I'm better than you, more spiritual than you, more gifted than you like the Corinthians did, 
That's not a sign of my spirituality. That's a sign of my absolute immaturity. And that's when I especially need someone to discipline me. And God loves me enough to do that. Do we love one another enough to administer discipline in the good times and the bad times? So to become as little children, to receive the kingdom as little children does not mean we are to be immature. To become as a little child is not to be immature, and we're never called to immaturity, but we are called to childlikeness. We're called to maturity with childlike faith. Amen? You know the difference. We are all young and old to possess childlike like faith but we are called to maturity go 1 Corinthians 14 20 now 1 Corinthians 14 20 just to kind of give you the context here this is Paul still teaching about spiritual gifts he started in chapter 12 and he has not stopped yet He's all the way down to chapter 14, verse 20, and he's still teaching about spiritual gifts. And he's specifically teaching about tongues and prophecy right now and the difference and why he would rather speak five words in a known language than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. He said, all you coming into the building and just babbling off in tongues is absolutely doing nothing except confusing people. He said, I speak in tongues more than all of you, but I would rather speak five words in a known language so that I can teach somebody something. Why? Because what is the point of the assembling of the body? It's the building up of the body. And he says, if you guys are all speaking in tongues, you can't build up the body because nobody knows what you're saying. Go home and build yourself up in your own prayer closet. Prophesy. If someone speaks in an unknown language, let there be an interpreter. Why? So that those other people can also hear and be built up. This is the context of chapter 14. Look what he says in verse 20. Brethren, do not be children in understanding, however in malice be babes, but in understanding be mature. Now, I want you to notice in your message guide there, I underlined three words. I underlined children for you, I underlined babes for you, and I underlined mature for you. And the reason I underlined those is because all three of those are a Greek word for children. But they all have a different meaning. And we don't really get the full meaning, so I'm going to help you get the meaning of what Paul is saying. Let's define some terms here first. What's malice? Malice is badness and quality. It's the opposite of excellence. It's wickedness or maliciousness. Why is he talking about malicious behavior and wickedness in the, in the midst of this whole discourse on spiritual gifts? Because he's talking about the attitude of the people toward one another. He's saying some of you guys have malice toward one another because you're, you're jealous over your spiritual gifts because you've come to wrongly understand what these things are about. And so now there is this malice, this wickedness, this general bad behavior existing in the church, and he says it shouldn't be. 
He says, as a matter of fact, guys, he said, don't be children in understanding. That word understanding speaks of your feelings, your mind, your sensitivities, your faculties to be able to reason and make decisions and, and, and do things. The way you think, the way you reason, and the way you feel. He said, in understanding, don't be little children. Don't be little immature children when it comes to the way you think, reason, and feel. I feel jealous because Dave's got a gift I don't have. Paul says, don't be a little child. Don't be jealous over something like that. That's immature. So in understanding, he says, we should no longer be children when it comes to understanding. But when it comes to malice, when it comes to my malicious behavior or my bad attitude toward somebody else, he said we should be babes. That word babe there is a real interesting word. It's a Greek word that actually is a verb. And it describes a babe, an infant who is unable to speak. He's so young he can't speak yet. So he says when it comes to malice, we should be as babes. But in understanding, he goes back to understanding. He says, but in understanding, not little children, but fully grown. We should be men and women who have come of age. Fully grown. Mature. Telios is the word there. So he has this play in this. So let's read the scripture again. Brethren, do not be little immature children in the way... In your understanding, in the way you think, in the way you reason, in the way you feel, in in your attitudes toward one another in the body. Don't be little immature children. In malice, be babes acting as infants unable to speak. You know what Paul is basically saying here? It's the old saying we all know. If you don't have something good to say, don't say anything at all. It's exactly what he's saying. When it comes to malice, be as babes, as infants who are not even able to speak yet. But in understanding, be men and women who have come to full age and are mature. So we are to be what, church? We're to be mature. Now go to Ephesians chapter 4, and I'm ending. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14. Let's read this verse together. We're going to read 14 and 15. Now this is, to give you the context of this scripture, this is where Paul is talking about the gifts that Christ gave to the church for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. And and this is why, this is the purpose for which he gave those gifts. Verse 14, that we should no longer be children. It's that same word, that we should no longer be little, immature children. Tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men. Notice who's tricking people there. 
It's not the devil. It's men. This is why you guys, I encourage you, bring your Bible when you come to church. The only way you're going to know if I'm telling you the truth is if you know what the Scripture says. He says, be not children, that we should grow up no longer being children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking. Now here's what's interesting. That word children, that you should no longer be children, it's the same word that Paul uses when he tells the Corinthians, in malice, be like children who can't speak yet. Here... In verse 14, he says that we should no longer be children unable to speak, but we should be children speaking the truth. Are you hearing me, church? We should no longer be children unable to speak, but we should be children speaking the truth. Amen. To what end? That we may grow up that we may grow up in all things into him who is the head. We should no longer be children not able to speak, but we should be children speaking the truth in love, children that may grow up in all things into Christ. There is in these two verses a progression of maturity. I am an infant unable to speak. I'm to no longer be that. I am to become a child speaking the truth in love, ultimately growing up, and coming to the fullness of age. Amen. Amen. The importance of childlikeness. I'm going to leave you with John 3 3. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. In verse, he goes on and he says, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. We've got to be born again. We've got to become as little children that we may grow up in all things into him, into Christ who is the head. Amen? Childlike, but not immature. Full grown, but still with childlike faith. Let's all stand. Is there anyone here who's never given their life to Jesus Christ? And if you're here and you would say, you know, Pastor Jeff, I've never committed my life to Christ. I've thought about it. Maybe you have some questions about it. You know, you should never be guilted or manipulated emotionally to give your life to Christ. But maybe you have some legitimate questions about what it means to be born again what it means to come into the body of Christ and be saved. 
And if that's you, I really would like to, to have a chance and opportunity to talk with you. And you say, well, I don't want to do it right here and now in front of everybody. Well, that's fine. You don't have to. There are connection cards on the back of your chairs. And you know, if you don't feel comfortable today, you fill out a connection card and tell me that you want to talk with me about salvation. And we'll do that. But you know, maybe you are here today and maybe the Spirit of God's been working on you and maybe this is the day that you want to surrender your life to Jesus. And you don't care who's here. Well, that's great too. Because we've got to come to a place in time where we will confess with our mouth before any and everybody that Jesus Christ is Lord. And if that's you, I just want to give you an opportunity. Say, I'm here today and I want the body of Christ to pray with me as I surrender my life to Jesus. If there's anyone here like that, would you raise your hand? Anybody, anybody, anybody. Anybody. Well, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for... The body of Christ, young and old, Lord. Lord, we thank you for your word. And Father, we pray today that, Lord, you'll cut through everything. Everything that may be drawing our attention away in life. Everything that may cause our hearts to be resistant. That, Lord, your spirit would cut through all of that and bring us to a place, Father God, of truth and reality. Lord, I pray that you would help us as men and women, young and old, Lord, to be teachable, to be humble, to resist pride, God, and to grow to maturity. I pray, Father, that we would embrace that call and that command. And that, Lord, we would be able to let go of the things in our life that may be hindering us from that journey to maturity. Lord, we thank you that, Lord, that's not going to be accomplished by a man, but it will be by your Spirit. Lord, we just give you honor and we give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, give the Lord a good hand, church. God bless you. There is nothing on the agenda for this evening, so have a great time with your uh, friends and families today. Don't be scared. This is the day the Lord has made. Amen.